The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Let's get to our guest. Omar Slim is with us. He is Senior Portfolio Manager of Asia Fixed Income at Pinebridge Investments. He's on the line from Singapore. Thanks for being with us, Omar. We're focused on uh, the Fed minutes, trying to read the tea leaves, so to speak. A couple of things we learned. I mean, obviously, rate hikes are going to continue. We know there's a lot of work that needs to be done in order to get inflation under control. And then a slower pace at some point would be required. That seems logical. Now we're seemed, we seem to be getting the sense of uh, some anxiety building among a few members about the risk of over-tightening. Is, is that really significant in your view? Well, I think the Fed minutes didn't bring anything particularly new, to be honest. Um, As you said, they said that they can uh, potentially um, uh, start to reduce the the size of the the hikes, which is quite logical. And there is some concerns in terms of overtightening. So there was something for for everyone, really. I think what's happening is that the so-called Fed pivot is more of a market narrative as opposed to a Fed narrative in the sense that the market is thinking that the inflation expectations have started to respond to tighter financial conditions and inflation has been dented and will continue to go down. And as such, there are some tail risks of um, inflation being completely out of control that have dissipated. And that's Mm -hmm. why we saw a positive market reaction in the past few weeks. So I think what's happening with the Fed is that they're keeping all options open, but the market narrative has changed a bit. Omar, when we look at what the the bond market is showing us about these growing recession risks, it gets to that point about whether or not we kind of almost need a recession to rein in inflation. Is that what you're seeing? Well, I think... Having a soft landing is is possible, but I think it's very, very, very difficult to achieve. So I would say it's possible, but not very probable. Um, I think what the base case scenario for us would be a a slowdown without getting into semantics, whether it's it's a recession or a technical recession and so on. But we we think there will be a slowdown and a recession or a recession-like environment, which will likely be rather shallow. Um, and yes, it does take a, a, that kind of environment to slow down the inflation that we're getting. Um, having said that, we are starting to see certain drivers of inflation that are slowing down, particularly when it comes to the housing market. Um, so I think tra- the trajectory of inflation is now on a, on a much healthier path than where we were 
six months ago when the Fed and pretty much all of the central banks globally were way, way behind the curve. Yeah, no doubt about that. And the commodities, to your point about uh, inflation coming off its peak, I don't know that we are at the point to be able to say, yes, we've hit peak inflation, but commodities are lower, particularly crude oil. In about 30 seconds, Omar, give me your sense of how long we talk about monetary policy operating with a lag. What is that lag in your view? Well, it depends which 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 central bank we're talking about. I think with the Fed, it's probably arguable that they were probably two quarters behind the curve, and I think by year end we're going to be in a much better shape in terms of firmly denting the inflationary trajectory. Mm-hmm. I think Europe is a different story, particularly given that there is a chance of an energy crisis there. And the drivers of inflation in Europe are different from what we see in the U.S. Does that kind of mood continue given all the uncertainties and the fact that you've got some of these restrictions in terms of the COVID restrictions at the same levels they were at the heart of the pandemic? Yeah, I think when it comes to China, the long and short of it is that it's difficult to see any positive catalysts. Um, and the situation is rather concerning uh, on a number of fronts. Um, I think, for instance, the China property crisis that we're seeing is potentially starting to metastasize um, into something a bit more uh, significant, uh, at least in terms of some pockets of the financial system. And what we have been seeing consistently is that the China policy response um, is, has been underwhelming for the past uh, few quarters. And I think in a nutshell, what needs to happen is that the China policy response needs to be more robust. Um, And particularly when it comes to the China property market, there needs to be more support measures. And because they have been saying that they will be supporting the market for a while, the market is no longer giving the policymaker the benefit of the doubt. So any kind of incremental policy support that we've been seeing, including the PBUC cut, it's being uh, met uh, rather skeptically. And so I think there needs to be more by the Chinese policymakers to turn this around. Yeah, even before that cut in the one-year MLF, we had the data over the weekend showing shockingly weak uh, aggregate financing data, about half of what economists were expecting. We know that there is rampant liquidity in the system. We were talking to one of our market reporters yesterday about this time on the show about the the probability that there uh, that China is really in a liquidity trap right now. And if there is a remedy, it hasn't been discussed. But maybe the PBOC uses the playbook of the Fed, the BOJ, the ECB, and you start putting weak assets on your balance sheet. Would would that be a solution to the problem? Well, there's two things to say here. One is the financial and transmission mechanism in China is quite different from what you see in some of the other developed markets, meaning that it tends to the the cheap credit and the easy credit tends to flow largely into some of the larger institutions, particularly if they're related to the sovereign. And what needs to happen now is that the liquidity needs to permeate some of the smaller uh, companies and particularly some of the segments uh, in the China property in the China property market. The other thing is that I think you were saying in your in your reporting that there's a few banks that are starting to downgrade the Chinese growth. Um, we it's for us it has been pretty clear since the second quarter that the Chinese growth projections um, are, are too ambitious. Uh, we think that there will be a substantial slowdown uh, this year. So our base case is around two to three percent full year GDP growth. 
because of a number of things, including the COVID zero, but also the increasing concerns about the China property uh, crisis, again, starting to have an impact that is much broader in terms of the economy. Omar, what's your outlook, though, for ASEAN? And if we do start to see a peak in US inflation, what kind of boost that gives to Southeast Asia bonds? I think for Southeast Asia broadly, and particularly in terms of currencies, um, it is rather constructive that the uh, market is starting to think that uh, the, the, the main policy hikes from the major central banks, specifically the Fed, uh, have already been priced in. So we're seeing some recovery in terms of some of the Asian currencies, uh, and I think that will uh, that will continue. Um, the other thing is that we are seeing a reopening, uh, uh, accelerating in Southeast Asia, particularly, for instance, in Thailand, which uh, is starting to see the benefits of uh, the border reopening with, with a massive increase in terms of tourism. Mm. So I think broadly in terms of Southeast Asia, particularly when it comes to currencies, we're turning more constructive. All right, Omar, great to have you with us. Omar Slim, a Senior Portfolio Manager of Asia Fixed Income at Pinebridge Investments, joining us from Singapore. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.